You're listening to Fitz and Harry, the podcast. From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. The NBA Finals get underway tomorrow, which means we really have one day left to lament what happened to the Boston Celtics, and more importantly, to figure out how to fix it. Because for all the conversation about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and whether you can keep them together, the reality is is the answers for the Celtics moving forward are complicated. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, it's interesting because I'm sitting there this morning. I'm making my egg whites because, you know, my body's a shrine. I'm sitting mm-hmm. here eating healthy. I turn on the TV. I hear Greeny. And Greeny is suddenly talking to one Harry Douglas that was out there on Get Up <laughs> this morning crushing it. But you all were talking about the Boston Celtics. And it got really interesting to me because there's so much conversation about what the Celtics need to do as far as Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum keeping them together, not keeping them together. What's the future look like? But you made a great point on Get Up this morning that maybe it's not just about them. It's also about who the Celtics could add to the roster that would help these guys be the best version of themselves. Yeah, I think the word orchestrator, right? And when I look at the Boston Celtics and I look at the um, highs and lows that they were able to have this playoff season, I think one of the things that stood out to me was, number one, the lack of ball movement. Number two, the shot selection Um, at at important times in basketball games that could have resulted in them, you know, coming back in a game or also resulted in them winning a basketball game. And I can't help but think about they need a bona fide orchestrator, a guy to get the basketball to Jason Tatum um, in his sweet spots, a ball to uh, a guy to get the ball to Jalen Brown in his sweet spots, a guy that understands the game of basketball at a high level from that point guard position to the point to where when things get in disarray, it necessarily doesn't have to be the head coach or anyone on the coaching staff that has to get things back together. That's the natural born leadership of a point guard. And I understand they, they went out and got Malcolm Brogdon this past season and he won six man of the year. But it's also a difference when a guy like Malcolm Brogdon is coming to the basketball game because I think he's more so looking for his shot, more so than trying to set guys up and put them in the best positions to succeed. And I just think when you look at the Boston Celtics moving forward, if they had an orchestrator, and not saying this orchestrator has to, you know, play more than Brogdon or whatnot, but you just need someone out there on a basketball court that can get things back together when they go in disarray but also make sure they get the best quality shots possible. Possible That also takes a lot of pressure off Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum when we see them dribbling at the top of the key or on the wing, trying to do entirely too much while everybody else is watching Fitz. Yeah, and there's, it's a coach on the court, right? Like, yep. and, and the funny thing is, so often when you hear orchestrator or uh, they need somebody to help uh, run the offense, we just automatically think, well, they need a point guard. It's not that they need a point. They, it's not that you need any one thing positionally. It's that you need one thing in the style that someone plays with. And that's a mm-hmm. much different conversation because not all guards are the same. Not all coaches on the court are the same. Not all the players are the same. I heard Monica McNutt uh, this morning 
referencing, you know, how every team needs a rebounder and somebody that's, you know, out there that can give them some quality minutes and play some hard D. It's not that. It's not just that you need these basic things. It's you need a particular style, in my mind, if you're talking about the Celtics. And that that's where I think we have a real chance to establish identity for Boston in this offseason. Let's remember, a year ago right now, Joe Mazzulla didn't, didn't know he was going to be the head coach of the Celtics, right? Correct. Like. He was thrown into the fire last second. They played well enough that he got a long-term deal. We've questioned throughout the course of the playoffs, would he continue to, to have that opportunity? It looks like he will now. In my mind, this becomes a key moment because Missoula should know at this point exactly the type of player. He needs somebody that can be Missoula on the court, that can echo his voice, that can help them get into their set plays, that can make sure that everybody calms down. To your point, they can make sure they're moving the ball around. They can make sure that guys are doing what they have to. on the, As much as the, the coach can stand on the sidelines clapping and telling everybody what to do, that doesn't mean as much as the guy that's actually on the floor with the ball. The Celtics need to find the Missoula on the floor. And I will say this, and you look at this organization the last time they won an NBA championship, you had a Rajon Rondo orchestrating things, right, with all those great players that he was playing amongst. But he understood where to get the, uh, the basketball to those guys. The same player that I'm talking about in Rajon Rondo, you sent him to L.A., right, when they won their championship with LeBron in the bubble. Rondo played a key role in them winning that championship because he just understood and had a knack for getting guys the ball where they needed it, but also taking pressure off of other people on that roster. Now, I'm not saying this has to be a guy that's going to play 40 minutes or, you know, 38 minutes, but the mindset and the IQ of understanding the game of basketball at another level like your coach does or even higher I think we'll pay huge dividends for the Boston Celtics moving forward. And you mentioned IQ. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, when I think IQ, too, maybe that's part of the reason that we do in these instances look often to a veteran player that's been around a long time that may not be able to play a ton of minutes, but the minutes are impactful. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think that part of that IQ comes from just – experience my god you know this from playing in the nfl after a while you've seen everything you know how to handle it differently you know how to handle it better like there is something to having somebody come in that you know can that knows exactly what their role is exactly how their role is carved out exactly what joe Missoula wants them to do and even if they're only doing it in 20 minutes game those are 20 impactful minutes where it feels like they 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 are on one page it, it that is an easier while that's not an easy person to find that is, in a lot of ways, in my mind, easier than trying to figure out what to do if you have to get rid of either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. Well, and I will say this too, though, Fitz, because the, during the regular season, I believe Marcus Smart led them in assists, and I think he had like six points something. And then in the playoffs, it was uh, Jason Tatum about five points something. Here's my thing when I look at both of those stats from the regular season and also the playoffs when it comes to assists. You mean to tell me a Boston Celtics basketball team with all these guys that know how to put the ball in the basket and no one on that team is averaging 10, 10 assists a game? Mm. Like, that, that's, that's hard for me to believe. But it also lets you know that the basketball is getting stuck to people's hand and they aren't valuing ball movement, nor do they have that bona fide orchestrator to put, put people in positions to be successful majority of the time without having to take tough shots. A lot of the times. Part of the reason I think this is a important conversation when it comes to the future of the Celtics is because nobody can agree on the other part of this conversation. Look, I, I think Zach Lowe and Brian Windhorst are two of the smartest people that we have covering the NBA. And I tell you that because I want you to hear. I'm going to play these back-to-back. First, I'm going to give you Brian Windhorst from the Hoop Collective podcast. He was on Get Up, and this is what he said about the Celtics and keeping Jalen Brown. 
It's a big decision, but it's actually a fairly simple one. You either extend Jalen Brown or you trade him. And the issue with trading him is that you will not get good value because once you trade him, he cannot get the Supermax extension, which means he's kind of unlikely to extend. So a team negotiating with the Celtics would potentially be negotiating for a rental. So I'm going to tell you the Celtics have done this arithmetic already, and I think they're headed for signing Jalen Brown to that Supermax contract. And then they have a two-year window before he and Jason Tatum would actually get the big dollars together where they can figure out whether or not this pairing works. It's not the time to make the big decision. I realize that Jalen Brown did not look good at the end of this series. I realize that the Celtics missed an opportunity this year to get back to the finals, but it is not the moment to break them up, and I don't think they're headed that direction at all. Now that's Windhorse, but this is Zach Lowe from the Low Post podcast with his opinion on whether or not the Celtics are keeping Jalen Brown. I just don't think it's a no-brainer that they're just offering him the Supermax. And if you don't offer him the Supermax, that's not going to go over well. I just don't think there's going to be room for a lot of negotiation with Jalen Brown. And it doesn't really take a genius to figure out the next steps from there. I mean, Harry, my point here is that two of our brightest minds that are the most connected seem to have differing thoughts on what the Celtics are going to do because nobody knows what the Celtics are going to do. But maybe it's equally important to be looking at all the other pieces and figuring out how you can simply make the best of what you have in this moment. Yeah, and I think for the Boston Celtics, uh, when I look at this team, I, I, don't, I just can't see them getting rid of uh, Jalen Brown right now, especially a guy that's 26 years old and about to enter his prime. Um, did he have a rough patch in the game seven? Yes, he did. Did he have moments in this playoff when you're like pulling your hair out? Of course. So did Jason Tatum. I think allowing these two guys to grow together along with Joe Mazzula, I think will pay huge dividends as all of these guys are trying to grow and become better at their craft. But if you allow those three guys to grow together, there's no telling what can happen, potentially a championship at some point. I do love one thing that Wendy pointed out. Even if they do the deal now, the money doesn't kick in for a couple of years, which gives them more time. Time is the one thing that the Celtics want right now to figure out not only what these two look look like together, but also what they look like together under Joe Mazzullo, who next summer, this summer, I should say, will get time for the first time to figure out how he wants to put his stamp on the identity of this team. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, RVs, for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. All right, we're going to continue to break down everything you need to know about the NBA, especially with the finals starting tomorrow. But DeAndre Hopkins is free to sign with whatever team he likes. There are two very separate conversations involving his next team. We'll break them down for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Feel free to send your requests in. It's White Folk Wednesday here on Fitz and Harry. Nick running the board today. Nick uh, joining the, the, the team here. Feeling good about this. Nick, uh, your level of comfort, because whoever runs the board, for any of you that don't know, Fitz and Harry, <laughs> Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, uh, there are certain rules and regulations. Uh, white Folk Wednesday, we like to make sure all the music goes after middle-aged white folk that are listening. Uh, Nick, uh, you are young, uh, but you fit the rest of the demographic. How are we feeling so far about the playlist <laughs> that you put together for this one? I am white, yes, so I'm feeling pretty good okay. about it. I mean, yeah. this is this is my wheelhouse, so okay. I think oh, it'll be a good but, night. But hold on for a second, though, Nick. I mean, 
you've done this show for, before, and you know you've been on the show on a Friday. Mm, you know, love, for love Fridays. Friday. Mm. Like, how did your wheelhouse compare to like Love Fridays? I looked like Jalen Brown on Love Fridays in Game <laughs> Seven. Okay. I got all my help from Harry Douglas on that one. Okay, <laughs> I love the honesty on it, Nick. We're we're, we're growing, uh, you know, as a team, just one step at a time. Uh, Nick's doing God's work here. It's Fitz and Harry mm-hmm. on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sure, they're glad I'm telling you that right now. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Hop- try all that again. DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson. If I can get through this whole segment and not combine their names, I would like a yellow, uh, like a, a blue ribbon or a prize of some sort. Uh, Deshaun Watson said he would, quote, would love DeAndre Hopkins to be on the Browns. Me and D-Hop, we just naturally talk. We've been talking since the Houston days. He's always been a brother of mine. Our connection, our relationship has always been great. Of course, we'd love to have him. He knows that. Here's the interesting thing. There are a couple of different things that DeAndre Hopkins could want right now, Harry. And, you know, when you hear what he said before, he wants a team with a stable quarterback that's really invested in a great defense and a stable organization. That speaks to one thing. But when you hear Jeremy Fowler today report that he's talking to all 32 teams, this is not a short list. He wants to talk to everybody. That tells me he wants to also make sure that people understand he'd like to get paid. Yeah. I don't know if the two coexist, though. Well, I, w- I would say this, and, and I'll start with teams that will probably be the best fit for DeAndre Hopkins right now, and the first for me would be the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. You talk about going over to a team where you have the best quarterback in the National Football League, a guy that can play from the pocket, but also when the plays break down, he can improvise and you can you know get long touchdowns, uh, long explosive plays just from scramble drills alone because Patrick Mahomes is always keeping his eyes down the field and can deliver the football from every arm angle. On top of, you know, Travis Kelsey is the number one, so he's going to garner a lot of attention. So you might have an opportunity where you're getting one-on-one on multiple occasions, and we all know a guy that can, you know, has the catch radius that he, that he does has and the strong and elusive hands. I think DeAndre Hopkins will take that 10 times out of 10. Now, the Buffalo Bills is second for me right behind the Kansas City Chiefs, being able to be paired up with Stephon Diggs, who is their number one, Gabe Davis, but Josh Allen, a guy that can make every throw on the football field, probably need to have a little bit more touch, doesn't have it as much as Patrick Mahomes, but he's an elite quarterback in the National Football League and can do a lot of different things on the football field. Now when you lean towards teams that probably should pursue, you know, a DeAndre Hopkins the first on my list in, in that category would be the Detroit Lions. You look at the cap space they have uh, somewhere around $23 million. You look at their wide receiver room, Jamison Williams, their uh, first-round draft pick from uh, a few years ago that they're counting on big time is suspended for the first six games. So being able to have a guy to you know pair up with Amon Ross St. Brown, who's been phenomenal for them over the 1,100 yards and six touchdowns a season ago and really emerging as a guy that – you know, they're looking to, you know, feature a lot week in and week out. That would be phenomenal. And stick with the Lions for a second because here's the thing. The Chiefs and the Bills make sense to all of us, right? But we're not playing Madden, right? The Chiefs have less than a million dollars in cap space right now. The Bills don't have much. It would take a lot of work to make that money happen. Even though I agree with you, they're both great fits and it would make sense. The rich get richer. What I love about your Lions portion of this is that I think Detroit is actually in a situation where being aggressive makes a lot of sense. Like, when's the last time we were talking about the Lions being a true contender in the NFC? And given how bad 
much of the NFC is, not all of it, but much of the NFC is, if they can get hot at the right time, why not them? Goff has played much better than a lot of people thought he would being there. It seems like maybe they found their coach and they found their stability. You're right. They need to bring in another wide receiver. And this would also sort of send a message to the entire locker room, to the entire organization, to the entire team. We think we can win. Right now, we're willing to pay the money to do it, to bring greatness in. And you land a DeAndre Hopkins? Like, for the Lions, I think there's a bunch of wins out of this. That one makes a lot of sense, Harry. Yeah, and we know from what the NFL has showed us with the schedule making, they have four national televised games. And the first one is against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Thursday Night Football, the first game of the year. So the NFL feel like they're the new kids on the block as, as well as just about every media outlet fits. On top of what they was able to do free agency-wise to, you know, try to revamp that defense, but also, you know, bringing in another running back and then drafting, you know, a Jameer Gibbs and a tight end Sam Laporta to place T, replace TJ Hawkinson, who they traded away a year ago. So this team, in my eyes, is really ascending. And I think they can do a lot of things. I picked them to win the NFC North this season. They just got to, you know, not start slow. And I think adding a guy like DeAndre Hopkins would pay, like, huge dividends for their team. And lastly, I have the Cleveland Browns. You talk about Deshaun Watson and what he just said about, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Those two guys, the years that they played together, 257 receptions, uh, over 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 37 games played between 2017 and 2019. They were magical on a football field and being able to see those two guys paired up together. But once again, I think, you know, Cleveland right now only has about around six million dollars in cap space. They would have to figure that out. And we'll let all the gurus and, you know, the salary cap people figure figure that nonsense out, because that's definitely not in my category. But I like your Cleveland point for a second here, only because who are the Browns? Like if we're being real for a second, the Bengals are clearly the favorite in that division to me. And if there but, is but, but let me say a, this. unless let me Lamar, say this. unless let me say, there right. you go, there you go. The, the, the Browns are, are, are the favorite, the but Bengals. if Lamar Jackson, excuse me, yeah, the Bengals are the favorite, but if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, because two years ago, you know, when Lamar Jackson was healthy, the the Baltimore Ravens was the number one team in the AFC. A year ago before he got hurt, you know, he, they were the number one team in the AFC North. So it's going to be a dogfight between those two teams if Lamar can stay healthy. But and, the Browns... And that leaves the Browns... Can fight. make some noise, too. And that leaves them fighting for a wild card spot. What's wild to me is that, you know, the, the Browns spent a ton of money on Deshaun Watson. We all know that. Now that Deshaun Watson is going to get on the field this year, and now we all know everything that's happened off the field and why that's a part of the conversation. But today, as of right now, the Browns, to me, are the... They have the third-best quarterback with the third-best talent on the roster and yep. probably the third-best coach in their division when you put all of that together it's like maybe even the fourth best coach in their division my god like you you put all of that together and you look at it and you say man i i think the steelers are going to be better this year Uh, the browns need to bring in more talent if they want to be competitive otherwise they're going to start asking as an organization what they spent all that money on deshaun for was like they didn't spend money on deshaun watson to be a playoff team they spent money on deshaun watson to be a super bowl caliber team they need to get a deandre hopkins if that's even part of what they think they can accomplish because right now I don't even. I, I can't make a, a compelling argument that the Browns should be a favorite for a wild card. At least if they add Hopkins, they have more talent and maybe more opportunity to win. Well, I think a lot of that is going to be predicated off of Deshaun Watson and how he plays at the quarterback position. But being able to get him another weapon to go opposite of Amari Cooper with that offensive line and that run game and Njoku and Harrison Bryant, those guys at the tight end position. And then you got to remember, they traded for on the defensive side, Zadarius Smith. 
So now they have, you know, that immortal human being over there on one side and Miles Garrett, and then you got Zadarius Smith, and you know what their secondary is capable of. The Browns just got to be able to put it together, and this is a very important year for Kevin Stefanski. I think if they don't make the playoffs or, you know, have a showing that's, that's, that's really, you know, positive for ownership, I don't think he'll be back next year. Yeah, a lot of people coaching for their jobs in the AFC this year. Stefanski is definitely one of them. Uh, we'll keep breaking down any news we get on what the future looks like for DeAndre Hopkins. Remember, as of yesterday at 4 p.m. Eastern, he's able to sign anywhere. So we could get that news at any point. We'll make sure you're filled in as soon as we do. In the meantime, Michael Malone. Hope you're listening to this next second segment. We're about to talk about your Denver Nuggets. That's Woo-hoo! right. We're going to do it. It's Nugget Talk taking over. But first, Harry's got to tell you about Granger. That's the most times I've said Nuggets in a show in a long time. Ooh, for the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and the experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Feeds down low to Gordon at the rim and one on the two-hand stuff. They got the switch. Gordon had Reeves down low and a chance for three. Jokic on the drive. Got deep and scored for the lead with 51.7 to go. The Denver Nuggets have finally done it in their 47th season in the NBA. The Denver Nuggets are going to the NBA Finals. No, to have an opportunity to play in the NBA Finals, we'll remember for the rest of our life. We felt like this was the perfect intro song for our next guest. He's a friend of the show now. Once you're on the show twice, you're a friend of the show. I don't know what dance Harry is doing. Like, Bye 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 actually has a dance, Harry. Like, I realize that, you know, you're not a middle-aged white dude, not white folk Wednesday. That's, 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 why, that's how I'm dancing. It's White Folk Wednesday, so I'm going to dance like white folk today. Okay. Stop but, playing, but, Fitz. There were five white folks in sync, and they had a dance. Okay, look, you know what? I can't. I just can't with you sometimes. <laughs> Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, and we're joined now by Zach By, co-host of Stokely and Zach on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Zach, appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, I feel like you're blown up. We're hearing you all over ESPN. So happy, and I'm so happy that the Nuggets are getting this love. But one of the narratives that's taking over right now is long rest for the Nuggets could mean rust. What's your level of concern that they've had too much time off? First of all, Fitz and Harry, thanks for having me back on. No matter how many times I come on ESPN Radio, I'm never going to forget you guys were the first show Woo! that uh, uh, extended that olive branch. So, so very much appreciated. Uh, I'm not really worried about the rest versus rust conversation. That's an age-old conversation. I get why we're while uh, why we are having it. Uh, rather, it's the second longest layoff heading into a finals in NBA history. But if you look at two different instances during the regular season, and that's really all we have to draw from 
of layoffs. You look at the uh, the All-Star break. Uh, they had those days off. They came back. Their first game at the time, Cleveland was one of the best teams in the NBA. They went on the road, beat Cleveland in Cleveland, beat Memphis uh, in a, in a primetime game on ESPN where the number one seed was still sort of hanging in the balance. In their first six games coming out of the All-Star break, they went 5-1. and one. The second example I would cite to your question, the rest versus Russ conversation, would be looking at the last month of the season. The Denver Nuggets had a seven game lead for the one seed in the month of March. That is very, very unusual. So their approach to the last month of the season was to rest guys and and shut down Jokic. And it may have cost Jokic the MVP, um, but they really took their foot off the gas. They took guys out of the lineup. And what was their uh, result in game one after having waited for the play-in games to finish up? The game one uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, they came out and absolutely smashed them in a gentleman's sweep. Uh, they, they, or they smashed them in game one, and it led to a gentleman's sweep. Then they had a second layoff heading into the Lakers series, and they smashed the Lakers in game number one. So while this is a little bit unusual, where you're talking about nine days in between games, uh, this is a team that is hyper-focused, that is very, very mature with the scars uh, from years past uh, on this climb to the point where they are now. So I think by the uh, midway through the first quarter, this question, this fair question that you're asking me will be put to rest. Okay, Zach. It's easily to understand that the Denver Nuggets are heavy favorites over the Miami Heat right now as things are constructed. But head coach Mike Malone has already downplayed that narrative, saying that this will be one of the hardest things that they've ever had to do. Do you think the players are wired you know, similar or in the same way as their head coach in, the, in that regard? Yeah, you know what? That's a good question, Harry. I think that they go the way of Jokic, and Jokic is so um, muted when it comes to any type of success. I mean, this is a guy who just said after they won uh, the Western Conference uh, Finals last week that he really didn't get that emotional. He thought it would feel more important, and it didn't because they haven't really uh, reached their goal yet. So uh, I think they're taking the heat very, very, very seriously, following Jokic and Michael Malone's lead. But also, guys, these guys have actively working brains like you and I do. Is this really going to be the toughest test that they've ever faced? With no disrespect to the Miami Heat, I don't really think so. Um, this is a team that, if they went on to win the championship, would have the least amount of regular season wins going back to 1978 uh, uh, in the Washington Bullets. I mean, this is a team that was losing to the Atlanta Hawks in a play-in game and down with – people forget this, guys – down with five minutes left in the fourth quarter to Chicago in the play-in. And, and, and then what happened from there is they played really good basketball, given their flowers. But let's not act like they didn't catch a bunch of green lights on their way to this point. Giannis Antetokounmpo goes down in that first-round series. They draw the Knicks in the second round. And, you know, the, the, the Celtics, who are, you know, as disjointed as Bart Scott's hand, uh, they, 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 they roll an ankle in the first <laughs> minute of Game 7 for the Celtics' best player. I mean, that is catching some green light. So, you know, is this the, the, the tallest task that the Nuggets have faced? I, I actually don't think so. Um, I think that this is, if I'm just being totally like authentic with you, and this is coming from a basketball perspective, I'm not a Nuggets super fan, okay? I'm just a fan of the game of basketball. And my, my eyes are telling me, after watching these two teams very closely, it feels like if it was Fitz versus Harry in a race, 
sometimes you're just punching outside of your weight mm-hmm. class, and that's mm-hmm. what it feels like for Miami right now. And <laughs> a baby, Zach. Zach, I just want to tell you, I, I hit seven minutes, uh, seven minute mile in Orange Theory last week. I'm getting faster, okay? Uh, but look, one step at a time. Zach By joining us, co-host of Stokely and Zach, 104.3, the fan in Denver. All right, I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I think the Nuggets are going to absolutely just wipe the floor with the Heat, and the Heat stand no chance in this series. <gasps> if, if this series is going to go six, seven games, if this series is going to be tough, what is Miami going to do that would make that happen? Well, I think, you know, Caleb Martin is going to need to continue to play out of his mind. Uh, I think I heard Harry say yesterday he thought that, that, that Caleb Martin was the best player in the Eastern Conference Finals and not Bam Adebayo, and I agree. I mean, he went absolutely crazy, and this is a guy who, by the way, I'm a huge fan of, Caleb and his brother Cody out there in Charlotte. I followed those guys since they played for Musselman at Nevada. I'm a big fan, but that guy was playing way, way over his head. This is a guy in Caleb Martin, again, I'm a fan of. He had one foot headed to Europe, guys. This is a guy who was almost out of the NBA and has caught lightning in a bottle. Good for him. He's going to get paid. Uh, His confidence is is at an all-time high. Um, But am I expecting him to be that version of himself in the NBA Finals? Am I expecting Gabe Vincent to continue to shoot, you know, 45 46% from three? You know, maybe. But but all of those things would need to happen, you know, to your question, if this is – if the Miami Heat are going to win multiple games, Jimmy is going to have to be the, the, the dog that he is, but he's going to have to be it every single night. And we saw him slow down a little bit in that last series uh, during big pockets uh, in, in that series. So he's going to have to be the A-plus version of himself every single night. Bam Adebayo is going to have to be uh, 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 just uh, uh, maybe 20 points a game offensively. Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent, those guys are going to have to be great. Tyler Hero is going to have to come back and, 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 and not skip a beat. And I just think that's a lot to ask because we haven't even talked yet, guys, about how are, they, how are Miami going to slow down the best player in the world? And it's just, like I said, it's an extremely tall task for the Miami Heat. Yeah, I'll answer that question quickly. They're not going to slow down the best player in the world. At all. And they're also not going to slow down the second best player on the Nuggets. This thing, whew, you know what, Zach? Uh, all I'm asking is that when everything's said and done, just send us some videos from the parade. I think that's where it's headed, uh, Zach. We appreciate your time, and thanks for hanging out. Be sure to check out Stokely and Zach on 104.3 The Fan in Denver. Zach, bye. Zach, thanks for hanging out with us, brother. We appreciate it. Hey, appreciate appreciate you guys, Fitz and Harry. Have a great day. Enjoy the finals. And I am going to enjoy it. I cannot wait for it, even though I think it's going to be a bloodbath. Is your check engine light on? Don't ignore it. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Let their professional parts people scan and diagnose the problem for free. They even help you shop and find a repair shop if you need it. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today. I should say a huge apology, by the way, to Federica that works behind the scenes on our show. Big Heat fan. I, I, Federica today, big Heat fan. Been a big Heat fan for a long time. Today, she's not a big me fan. I get it. I get it. I understand. I just, I'm just speaking my truth. Uh, Bob Meyer spoke his truth to the media yesterday after stepping down as president and GM of the Golden State Warriors. There was a, a sense of surprise over the entire thing. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Breaking NBA news, Bob Myers, architect of four NBA titles with the Warriors, stepping down as Golden State's president. 2019, we've been in the finals five years in a row. That's a lot. It's exactly what you want. And I had to figure out then what was left. Can I keep doing this? What separates 
Bob Myers, his ability to problem solve, his ability to operate within the egos of coaches and star players. We would not have had those next two championships if Bob hadn't done what he did. He was the key guy. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. All right, so the Warriors we knew were going to speak yesterday. And this comes on the news that Bob Myers, the president and general manager of the Warriors, has decided that he wants to leave the team. He doesn't want to do this job anymore. What's next for the Warriors? First and foremost, the question we were asking yesterday is, why did Bob Myers come to this decision? One thing you and I talked a lot about, Harry, is sometimes you just feel like you've accomplished what you have to accomplish. This is what he said at his press conference yesterday, specifically about his decision to leave the Warriors. But the bottom line is uh, this job, uh, the one I'm in, and I would say this for any professional general manager or coach requires complete engagement, complete effort, 1,000%. Um, and if you can't do it, then you shouldn't do it. And so that's 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 the answer. So that's the beginning of the answer. And I think a lot of it, Harry, speaks to what we talked about. What I want to get your reaction to is the comments made after that. Because Joe Lacob, who's the owner of the Warriors, made it clear they haven't tapped Bob Myers' replacement yet. This is what he said. This is his quote. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I understand it because I don't. But it's really not for me to understand why. I, want him to, I just want him to be happy. He also went on to make it clear that they are going to continue to win no matter what anybody says. It was an aggressive response to somebody basically saying, I just don't want to do this anymore, Harry. Yeah, for the, uh, first on Bob Myers and hearing that piece from him, um, sometimes we might not know everything that someone may be going through or have going on in their life. And just from the sound of it, and, and, and Fitz, we know the attention to detail, the amount of time uh, it takes to be in that position as a general manager to, you know, be focused and locked in at all times. You can't have any days to where you're not to that point. And sometimes it probably can become taxing. And we don't know if, you know, he's burnt out at some point. But from what it sounds like from him is that, you know, he feels like he can't give his all within that organization at this moment. That's why he's stepping down. Now, as far as Joe Lacob comes, the owner of the uh, Golden State Warriors, Sounds like he's a little, little, little bit salty that Bob Myers is stepping down, but at the same time, he's respecting his decision. He just doesn't understand it fully, I don't believe. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, and, and look, I, I think it, it was pretty damning the way Lakeup said it. I, I felt like, to your point, he doesn't really get it, doesn't really understand what's going on. He feels a little like like so many people do in that situation. Almost but but also, slighted, Bob, like, Bob, Bob Myers may, have, may, may be in a situation where Something could be going on, but he's not telling Joe Lacob either. And he has every right not to. You yeah. got to tell everybody everything going on in your life. Some things you could just keep to yourself. But I think Joe Lacob needs to understand if, if, if he's sanded in that manner, it has to be something or he has to be feeling some type of way like he can't give his all. Well, and Joe has got to be looking around saying, man, things aren't about to get easier here. Draymond Green has a $27.6 million player option. He could choose to become an un unrestricted free agent. Most people don't think he will uh, moving forward because of the amount of money he can make. Clay's about to enter the final year of his contract. In fact, Brian Windhorst was on the uh, Hoop Collective podcast, or from the Hoop Collective podcast, I should say. He was on Get Up, and Wendy had plenty to say about the tough decisions for the Warriors that they're facing in this moment. 
I just don't. Sorry, that is the wrong cue. I'm going to have to have you guys play because I don't think I have it here. I'm just peeking behind the fourth wall. So uh, we'll get that Brian Windhorst sound for you. But it, this is not an easy time for the Warriors right now to try and figure it out. They've got it for us here. Uh, gentlemen, you can play what he said. If they bring Draymond Green back at any reasonable number with Jordan Poole's new max salary coming onto the books, Greeny, they are looking at a $500 million-esque payroll when you include the luxury taxes. It may not quite get to $5 million, but it's going to be far and away the most expensive team in the history of professional sports. That team finished in sixth place. But I'm not sure Joe Lacob can abide paying that salary for a team that finished in sixth place and didn't make it out of the second round. Harry, I just spit my drink out. All of $500 million for just for one year. Like, hey, guys, a little, little bit of a problem. I know we were in sixth place. I know things aren't going the way you expected to. I know we're over here talking about the Celtics and $600 million for two team, two players, but we might just be looking at a $5 million pay hold and payroll problem. Like, I can't imagine walking in you're like, hey, I got a $500 million payroll yep. problem. That's not easy for me to say while I'm worked up. Payroll problem. I don't know how the ownership <laughs> – like, now I know why Joe Lacob's mad. He's like, wait, you want to quit? And we've got a $500 million payroll <laughs> problem? Come on. No, and I will say this, and I start with Jordan Poole. I, I think the Golden State Warriors may have given him a, a, a little too much money, especially for a guy who's just pri- primarily, in my eyes, an offensive threat. But also, you know, shot selection for him is not the most ideal and the greatest, nor can he defend on the defensive, uh, defensive end and he gets attacked in that manner. And then you look at Andrew Wiggins and what he's making. Then Klay Thompson, and then Klay Thompson's going to need an extension. Draymond Green can opt out, you know what I'm saying, and, and want more money. So something is going to have to give at some point. But I will tell you this. As long as, in my eyes, as long as they have Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Steph Curry, I think this team is still championship caliber. They're championship caliber ball club. I don't disagree with you that as long as you have those stars, you have a chance. But, man, you have a very expensive chance moving forward. They're going to have a lot of decisions to make about their future and how to build for the future of what they want How much roster. again? $500 million. That's I've just been violated. Woo-hoo. All right, Bill Barnwell's great, does really good work, but we're about to crush his latest list next on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.